0: This is part two of the Gary Linden Stories podcast, and and in this podcast Gary talks about um, his time with uh, Org Surfboards, O-R-G, Org Surfboards based in Lisbon, Uh, um, a revolutionary factory whose mission it is to turn out the best boards in, in Europe, and especially the best big wave surfboards and how they're working with Gary to produce Uh, design and shape a board specific for the Nazare wave. We also chat about his 16 years at the ASP and two years as president and uh, how he and the others around him at that time invented professional surfing so that the best and most talented surfers um, could actually earn a living from the industry. And Rabbit took over from Gary as president of the ASP and the Dream Tour was born. Gary chats about his new project, Secret Project, which is, I might describe as um, disruptive technology that is going to turn competitive surfing on its head. More coming about that in the future. We chat about um, something Gary is very proud of, how he founded the, uh, the the Big Wave Tour, which was very successful. Then we move into longboarding and the, the old debate about classic versus high performance and where we go on that. And I finish by asking him some success secrets questions which with some interesting answers. And we finish by chatting about uh, the importance of perseverance in everything we do. So please enjoy part two of the podcast with Gary Linden. Maybe we'll do that. But uh, and let's bring it up to date, up to um, O-R-G, ORG, org, surfboards org.surfboards. Org. Tell me a little bit about where we are now with org because you're involved in that. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's funny, man. My life has been so fantastic. Things have happened to me when I most needed it. Um, like I pretty much had I abandoned my shaping career to – start the big wave world tour. And then I turned that over to the world surf league and I had a job for them. So I had to not neglect my surfboard, but took a back seat. You know, I'd, I'd still make some boards, but I wasn't pursuing it as much as I, I needed to. And particularly because I was organizing the contest, I was a contest director, I was a head judge. And I didn't want to be seen to be making boards and trying to sponsor people. And playing favorites and all that stuff that goes along with it that people think is involved in, in competitive surfing. But, um, I had this one friend, Joao de Macedo, a Portuguese surfer that had, uh, I've been making,
0: who was my, who was my last guest on the show by the
1: way. Yeah, no, amazing guy. Talk about someone who's driven. He, he's, he's just got an amazing drive to, to succeed and, and, and ride big ways. But I'd made some boards for him when he was surfing over at Maverick Mavericks. And, um, when he was over there in Portugal, um, he started writing for org and she goes, well, they'd really like you to come shape for him," And I'm kind of thinking by, but at this time, like I wasn't hungry for the money. uh, uh I was kind of over the physical work and, and I really, the only thing I really wanted goal I had was to be able to make some boards and make some boards for for Nazare, because it's just such a crazy wave, you know. I wanted to learn how to make waves for Nazare, and I want to I want to get good at it, you know. I want to make a good board for Nazare, not just whatever, you know. Because you, it's funny, you know. The waves are a big wave is a big wave, and if you have a good big wave board, you can probably ride just about any of the big waves it can't ride it good i mean you can't ride it to its best i mean the hawaiian boards were always so foiled out and so thin when you put on a wetsuit they didn't work you know you were, they wouldn't float you they were, they were just you had put 30 pounds more of wetsuit and water and they just weren't they were used to people riding them in the trunks so every spot's got a different a nuance it has to be learned and and uh, so i just had this tremendous opportunity with juan probably the best paddle guy out there um, to make him some boards. And I said, Well, okay, I'm gonna take a chance. And I met the guys, and Adu, the owner, is just he came to me with this shaper who's his partner, Rabbit, and they we had lunch in Nazare and trying to convince me to come down and shape. And I'm I don't know. You know, I'm thinking it over and then, oh well, I'm gonna go. And these guys were just so. Human and down to earth and caring and and able to respectful, you know, and just you know portrayed to me what they really wanted to me to do was just you know keep my career going. They wanted my legacy to live on. They wanted they didn't want me to have, do production surfboards. They just they wanted me to come in there and and help them make big waves, develop big waves boards, and and keep my name alive. And I was just like, this is a golden opportunity for me. I've I've never I've been treated with respect, I've been treated with love, and I've been, you know made to feel really good, but never like, never to that level. And it's just something that every time I go there, you know, they they just you know, conditions were kind of difficult. Their machine wasn't that good. I had to work kind of hard, harder than I wanted to. But, but it was just like always with such care and and generosity and and making boards for the right reason. They love it. They absolutely love it. They and it and Adu works twelve hours a day, and he was, you know, just doing everything he could. And I just, uh, you know. Uh, saw it through and kept coming back and every time it got a little better and they, he just had to move out of his factory and he moved into this big space and he just built the best factory man, it, they got a brand new, the top of the line shaping machine everything great you know and the COVID hit and so I had to cancel my trip but I'm, I'm dying to get back there in shape now
0: Right yeah, I mean Joao was telling me that uh, the factory, he said, maybe not the biggest, but he said that they they believe it it is the best quality factory in Portugal, turning out the best quality boards, and that's what they're all about. Yeah, no, that's
1: so, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. I mean, they they were making I think twelve hundred boards or uh, a year in their old factory, and you know if they make two thousand in this one, they'll be happy. But you could make I don't know, you could make. Yeah, we made a hundred boards a week we made 400 boards a, a month <laughs> in a factory of 25 thousand mm. five hundred square feet and they probably have ten thousand square feet they can probably make a lot more boards but they're not interested in it they just want to make sure that everybody gets paid and the overhead gets paid and they t- they put out they want to put out the best big wave wo- boards in the world and uh they want to put out the best best surfboards in europe so
0: yeah, great. So Nazare is a weird wave, isn't it? Do you need a specific board for Nazare? Yeah, you Nazare is such a novel
1: wave. I mean, it uh, it's like a, a the Newport wedge. The, there's it got that canyon that just goes out into the ocean, and so the if the swell hits with a, enough north, it'll bounce off that deep water canyon and refract double in size and start coming at you from the, from the South. I mean, it just, so it's like I served Nazare my first time at 67. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Respect. So so I had to go see how that one was. And, um, I didn't serve it at 60 feet like you but I got, you know, legitimate, you know, 30 foot waves out there. And, uh, it it the, my first one I took off and you know when you're normally you, you you try and keep your weight back so you don't pearl, but on the Nazarene wave the water is coming up the face so you've got to lean forward to get down so I just stopped mid-face on my first wave I I st- I wasn't going forward anymore because the water was coming up the face making the wave get bigger and steeper and taller but you couldn't drop in, so I just got stuck right in the middle. And so I realized the next wave, I had to lean forward. And and so you can imagine what Julian's having to do on a sixty-foot wave. So he's at the top. It's it's cresting. It looks like it's it's going to get pitched, and he probably does. And he's still got to lean forward. He can't lean back. So if he leans forward, he's not going to get down it. So you got to get a a a, a board. That that's long enough, like like at Jaws, so or Totos, or or Waimea, you you don't want a long board because you you're waiting to the, the wave jacks and you got to turn and burn, you got to spin the board real quick and do a late job. and Nazare, you got to do that, but you got to get up some momentum before you can even get to that point. So you, the weight water's coming up there, so you've got to get out of a longer board. So like that's why some of the guys are riding. 11 foot board or something like you see you know and then you get in with 11 foot board and you can't turn it so we had to figure out a way to get enough volume in the, the volume enough that you could paddle it fast but was still short enough to to get down the face and then we had to add some v which was something else because you because you'd You know, you you put V, V slows the board down, but it also allows it to turn. So we're using concaves to get the speed up. But you need to kind of have some V so you can turn. And so Nazare is kind of anomaly. So what we did, we made the deck flat, brought the volume all the way out to the rails. So we added like about 20% volume and and got the boards down to about 10 foot. And um, it's worked. So far pretty good.
0: Right, yeah. Yeah, um I had uh, Sergio Cosme, the guardian angel of Nazare on the show, my first guest and uh, he was telling me about towing kosher into the Guinness Book of Records uh, wave. And he was he was the way he was explaining it was interesting because he said I towed him and I put him in I pulled him in front, put him in at the base of the wave and and let the wave catch up with him. Yeah. And then, so that's what you're talking about, isn't it? The way, the way, the water's coming back up. So if he'd put him in at the top of the wave, he would have just flipped over the back. So we had to put him in at the base of the wave. So the wave caught him up and then he was able to drop down it and, you know, have the speed. Exactly.
1: And those guys are using a lot heavier boards than they would towing someplace else. Just for that fact, you know, I think they're uh, 10, 12 kilos
0: boards. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I want to get out there sometime, not to ride the waves, just to <laughs> watch it, meet everybody, and watch them ride the waves. If,
1: if you're a surfer, you have to go to Nazareth and see it. It's just, it's a ninth wonder of the world. Um, it's, right. it's like Niagara Falls, or you know, any any physical wonder of the world. It's, it's, it's just amazing. You, you can't imagine it. I watched the first few years. Before I paddle out, I would I would be going. I I don't want any part of that thing. And then you watch it and go, oh, maybe I could catch one there. You know, or you know, it's, it starts eating at you, and you got to catch one. But I just go and I just go and see it. You've got to see it. I mean, it's it's
0: yeah. You're about the third or fourth person who said that to me that when they first saw it. They said, I don't want any of that. And they all ended up yeah. surfing it. <laughs> so, so oh, okay, let's move, let's move it on. Because I know that you spent uh, 16 years uh, with the ASP uh, helping to build, build pro, pro surfing from the very grassroots, yeah? So we'll talk about let's talk about your days with the ASP. Well, or be, be,
1: well, I started as a as a judge in the IPS days, you know, before ASP. And then when the ASP formed, I'd been the contest director for the Stubbies event, which was one of the I, IPS stops. And the way the ASP was set up, it was each contest had a, a board member and um, and there was one surfer for each. Direct. So we had if we had twelve contests, we had 12, uh, contest directors and 12 surfers. So I was on the original board of directors representing the stubbies and, um, that way, that was, uh, instrumental in, in, um, uh, in developing the sport. Cause we, you know, that's, that was the sport. And, you know, I, I was on the, it was actually, I was on the board of directors for 18 years and then I became the vice president. And, uh, finally the last two years I was, I was the president. But it gave me what it gave me um, uh, a a lot of things. You know, it it gave me a lot of confidence and being able to work with people. And and uh, I've always had a a broad view. And like I told you earlier, that my dream was to create pro surfing because I became a surfboard maker to stay within that world. I wanted to be a pro surfer, but there was no there was no pro circuit. There was no way to do it. And, um, you know, not that I would have been, a, been able to have a great career like Kelly Slater, uh, uh, obviously not, but just to be able to to train and to compete and to be an athlete because I was always an athlete. And uh, I, I just wanted to leave a better place for those that followed me. And so, you know, I didn't get paid for any of that. I mean, it was a volunteer thing. And um, but, I, but I learned that, uh, you know, and I learned, like I'd sit next to the Brazilian uh, contest director who couldn't speak English very well. And, and so um, I'd always put his um, desires forward to the board. I'd make sure everybody understand what Brazil needed. You know, um, I'd help the Japan, Japanese guy who, who couldn't speak English that well and that, that I knew. And so I was able to use my contacts and, and my knowledge of different cultures and, and put it into it wasn't just a Hawaiian, Australian, California sport, and it actually developed as an international sport. And I, I'm really I'm really proud of the the fact that I was able to do that, and and that I was there and had that opportunity, um, because it, it, it helped me become the person that I am.
0: Right. Who, what was the what would you say? Were, who were the first generation of surfers to be regarded as professional athletes? Surfers. We,
1: you That's know right. the first world champion sean thompson peter town and ian cans rabbit bartholomew you know next generation barton lynch um there was just you know picaruta salazar from brazil like probably the unknown champion he, he, he probably won more contests than any other surf he's won over a over 160 c- contests or something can you imagine that and just a yeah. lot of the pioneers that you know, Martin Potter and, you know, on and on. But, uh, there was guys that, there was guys that stepped up and, and went to the board and, and tried to help. And there was guys that, you know, weren't as, um, you know, interested or, or capable, you know, they were, you know, like, uh, Sean Thompson was a college educated, you know, so because of the, the, the countries he came from that they, uh, were able to, they were coming from a more elite class and they were able to have an education and bring that education in to, to help pro surfing. Some of the surfers grew up ditch school and, and, and just became great surfers. So it, we had a good mix, you know, and um, it was really outstanding,
0: outstanding experience. Yeah, pioneering days, and I guess the next phase of that was was the Dream Tour sort of rabbit drew, dreamed up that i guess did he was he one of the pioneers yeah. of of bringing on taking the surface to the best waves yeah well Rob, um, was world champion year. you know
1: so um he knew what it was like to go and surf crappy waves and you know not be able to showcase the talent that he developed surfing uh, you know all the queensland point breaks so when the uh ASP moved to australia and he uh, took over as uh the president uh, yeah he was I was president then he was president so it became it, when he became president it became a paid profession a uh, position and
0: uh, right so he just after just yeah, after you,
1: yeah. <laughs> you missed I missed out on a lot of money but um uh, you know that's okay uh yeah yeah he was able to but he was the right guy for for that time you know and he was able to you know we all wanted great waves but having a world champion there and uh, we had a, a English uh, millionaire backer there that supported us and that's why they went to Australia we, because we had some finally we had some uh, investor money that allowed us to move to the the good waves because before we were kind of handicapped we had to have events where there was enough money to produce the events and and when we and when we got a little bit more money and we were able to get a little bit more organized. The office in Australia, uh, Australia financed a little bit of that. We, we, we had more momentum. It had been about 20 years. In, and so then then we were able to really start developing the sport in the direction that we'd always dreamed of. It wasn't that Rabbit came up with the dream. It was all our dream. But he came up and was was spearheading the dream when it was became uh, yeah. a possibility.
0: He was able to facilitate yeah. it because of the, of the money. Where who was the English backer then? then? God, uh, was it one guy? Greville,
1: or um Greville. I don't know. He was from. Uh, he was from um, the islands that are in, in between in the Channel there. Uh, the channel
0: the gen- Islands. Yeah. Greville. Oh, I can't. I can't remember who that was. I I'm actually, I don't know whether I know that story. Greville, but. Uh, I'll check that out. Okay, yeah. So anyway, we we sort of we've come to a point now because of Corona, we've actually come to a crossroads. Um, we've got a new, you've got a new um, president of the WSL. We've come to this crossroads, and they're looking to roll out this new format of um, CTQS Challenger Series. Are you up with that? What do What do you think about all
1: that? Well, this? I, I the coronavirus didn't do good. That got good for my environment. My 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 uh, employment situation I got laid off from the WSL so I don't work with them anymore um so I'm not sure uh, exactly what they're doing uh, in that regard but it's been hard for them because nobody can travel anymore so so I've been working on another project that uh
0: yeah right well I know you got a few projects yeah in in the pipeline um and one is a big wave project yeah but let me go back a little bit because you, you sort of formulated the big wave to well, it.
1: I founded it and and formulated it and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, and got it up and running. So it it was that to to this day is you know, I, I feel like I created a sport. There was not a sport of big wave surfing. There was and you know, I just, you know, went out on a limb and 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 took the non profit margin from Linden surfboards and and uh And created the Big Wave World Tour out of it with it. So that was really, really exciting times. And, you know, the Big Wave surfers had helped along that. They invested their money and got to the events and prize money wasn't much. And, you know, we just it was a kind of band of gypsies that that put it all together and, and, and made something really great happen.
0: It's almost like a different sport, though, Gary, isn't it? You know, when I, I mean, the reason I started this big wave surfing podcast is because, not that I'm a big wave surfer, but I, I, I'm interested in it um, more so than shortboard surfing. I love shortboard surfing as well. I, I ride a shortboard as well as a longboard, but I just see something totally different about big wave surfing. It's, the, these athletes are another breed, it's a completely different sport. The spectators, you've got people who want to watch it, who you can watch it and not be a surfer and be thrilled by it. That's the great thing about it. Yeah, I
1: think it really translates well. You don't have to, there's a 360 air being a shove it air or, you know, you know, you know stuff that really hard for somebody who's not, uh, doesn't understand the sport. It's like, you don't understand tennis. You don't understand football, American football. You don't understand it. It's hard to watch. Until you you get the gist of it, so really hard to get a, build an audience for shortboard surfing because it's so technical at this point. But big wave surfing, it's man versus nature, and um, it, it it translates. The little surfer, big waves. A uh, quote, uh, Laird Hamilton. You know, and and that's, that's so so it's exciting. It's it's uh, life threatening, and people people feel that and they see that, so it, it draws them in. And I, and I always thought it was the hook for them to appreciate surfing surfing at all levels. So once you started watching big wave surfing, you get more technically involved and then you can watch shortboarding and understand it a little bit better, but um, not to go off topic, but I I just want to bring in one thing about what it was like in the earlier days. And it's still there today, but you know, you, you go around to me, big wave surfing is a, a state of mind and it, and it's not so much the size of the wave. Like right when I was all through my surfing career, I always, you know, there's guys that sit inside and they're hustling you and catching a million waves. I was never that guy. I was always the guy that sat outside when it was two foot, and there was an occasional four foot wave coming in. I knew really I want to ride in the two foot waves. I wanted to get to catch that four foot wave, so I sat outside and waited for it. And at, and it, right. it just escalated till I wanted to sit outside and catch the fifty foot wave. You know, I didn't want to catch the twenty-foot waves or breaking inside. So, so with that philosophy, um, it, it attracts a certain type of person, and I and people will come up to you and go, "Whoa, oh, you know, I'm not a big wave surfer. The biggest wave I ever served was a eleven-foot wave," and I'm I'm going, "How the hell do you even measure an eleven-foot wave?" You know.
2: <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> but that was so
1: that was so you know that was they were just getting too granular with it and um and so people were always coming up you know, how do you do it what do you do it or what's the big way, biggest way of surfing and it was just like such a hard question to answer because you didn't want to say that you know how the hell do you You know, measure an eleven-foot. You want to say, well, you know, that's a that's a big wave. Whatever is your biggest limit, that's a big wave for you. But we get to to the Mavericks ceremony, the uh, opening ceremony for the Mavericks contest, and we have a paddle out. And at that, in those days, in the starting times in two thousand, we had the first event, and we those were that was the core of big wave surfing in the world. And we sit out there. And for myself, it was the only time I would ever feel like everybody there understood me. And I and I understood everybody else. And nobody was worried about our 11-foot wave or anything else. It's just we were out there. We weren't all friends. But when we were in the water, if something happened to one of us. Everybody in that circle knew that everybody in that circle would have been paddling. We didn't have jet skis. Everybody would have paddled lower and risk our life to help save somebody's life. And, and it, and it's just, to me, that big wave brotherhood is what separate and sisterhood. is what separated that group because f- from how I see it, big waves, you have to commit. And, and we're in, in a, whether it's in life, you commit, you know, you get married or, you know, I've got friends that, they're my age they never got married they wouldn't commit they ride two f- waves at the shores and they didn't get married you know
0: translate yeah. over i mean yeah
1: i mean life you to re- to reach the fullest benefits like risk equals reward and if you're willing to commit and risk you get these huge rewards it also means you wipe out at puerto and get held underwater And almost lose your life so you got to balance the risk but that ability to commit is what i think makes a big wave surfer a big wave surfer so
0: yeah yeah i yeah again i agree i'm i'm the more big wave surfers that i'm chatting with on my podcast there's the same um theme sort of thread trend coming through with all of them Exactly what you just said—the camaraderie, the brotherhood—and um, it's it's uh, it's almost like uh, it's more it's more spiritual. It's you. It's more soul-based than shortboard surfing, probably because of the the, the danger element and the fact that you could lose your life. It makes it more spiritual. Um, and 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 all these these big wave surfers are very humble people, very nice courteous, polite, humble people, but they, they switch on to beast mode <laughs> in, in 50 foot waves. And I've asked the few of them about that. I said, you're so nice. You're so humble. And then you, you I see you charging these monsters. It doesn't equate sometimes. And yeah, it's, it's a similar, it's a sort of pattern that runs right through you guys. I think, you yeah. know, nice. It's nice.
1: Yeah. it it goes back to being able to commit, you know, it's like, there's a rolling stone song and, you know, and it's talking about, you know, you had a humble guy, but you know, if you get in a knife fight, you got to be able to use it. You know, I mean, it's like when, when it hits a fan, you got to be able to react. You got to be able to respond and, you know, and commit and, and do what needs to be done. It, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. You can't think you, you got to go like they go to war. You got to, you know, like Al Chapman used to tell me, he goes, Lyndon, I've been going to war every year for the last 20 seasons, you know, talking about surfing Hawaii.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> like pretty good analogy, you know. You've got to, you know. I mean, he he broke his femur there at sunset like about two years ago. I mean, he's still charging, you know, still going at it, but at, at some point you pay the price.
0: Yeah okay come back to the big wave tour a little bit because when you when you first started it and the way it's been running it was going well but we this year last year we seem to have hit a point where it seems a bit disjointed you've got toe you've got paddle now you've only got two contests well before corona yeah and not all the same surfers are in both contests where are we with it now and where where should it be going
1: well like i said I, I, I was just employed by the uh, the WSL who who run the big wave tour so i can't really comment on how where where their vision of it is but um, it went well when we had it scaled to what was sustainable and when the uh, WSL took over the tour from me it um, their expectations and there were uh, didn't lead up to their live up to their investment. So they gradually had to scale back in the number of events that they had, um, because they're just, you know, it wasn't, wasn't sustainable. We put on the events for, you know, f- at the end, we we're about 50 to 70,000 with including, um, including the uh, webcast and the WSL's costs were about 10, 10 times that. So you could see how it would easily get out of hand. Um, obviously there's a, a balance somewhere in between uh, probably, but um, it was like when I, every almost every awards sp- speech I would give, I would tell when I was running, I'd, you know, and the prize was $15,000 to be split up with, you know, six finalists or something. And everybody was kind of going, well, wow, I barely paid my expenses. And the majority of everybody didn't pay their expenses. But we have a great party and we have a great time. And I give the same old speech that w- w- at some point this is going to be monetized. And we're going to look back and say this was the best time it ever was. And now these guys come to me and they're like, God, this is, it was so killer when we used to do it. Remember those times and, you know, and they, and, and, and that's true because it it was that spiritual time and that, that brotherhood time. And we were all doing it for, for the, for the love of it and, and for out of passion. And, and when things get um, to, to be, you know, corporate and it it has to make dollars and cents and be sustainable, it, it changes and it's not worse. It's not, and it's not better. It's just, it's just different. So hopefully, um, hopefully, the WSL can come up with a good plan to make it sustainable. I've got some ideas in, of my own in
0: the works, and uh, you know, it. Yeah, but w- when we were talking pre uh, pre podcast, you said that you had an idea, a new project. Um, with regard with regard to the big wave a big wave tour are you able to talk to me about um, that, you know
1: I, I, I can't go into it too too much because we're, we're still in developing it but it's not big wave specific it's uh you know it's a it, it, it translates're our first event we're doing right now in Mexico and it's shortboard but it translates to longboard big wave women surfing it translates to everything it's a it's a, a format that uh, can be conducted. Uh, on the uh, on the web, so it's a it's a video uh, video tour. So it's a, vid, a video yeah. tour. Well, with well, people actually surfing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're they're actually surfing, surfing, competing in each other, same type brackets, but uh, with their with their clips, video clips that they have.
0: Uh, okay, yeah. right. Okay, well, if I can get get you back on the show in the future, we'll go into that in more detail. I, I'd
1: love to come back to it. We're we're in the midst of trying yeah. to get get it up and running, and uh, you know, we want to be the first, so we don't want to spill, spill too much of the beans. But we're up and running. We got yeah. our, our next event's going to be in Mexico, Chile. The next one will be in South Africa, and uh, we got an international tour for a shortboard, and and uh, we'll, we'll, I, I'm sure we'll be throwing a big wave into it right now too. Right?
0: Mm, cool. So. cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Let me pick your brains a little bit. um As you know, I, I am, I, I keep, I compete on a longboard, but I also ride a shortboard as well. um And, but on the longboard, you judge longboard, yeah. In yeah, I, uh, you judge everything. i I, you know,
1: I longboard the first nine years of my surfing career because we now not have shortboards. Uh, so yeah. I'm longboard pretty good. uh I also started the U.S. Longboard Tour and I ran that for two years too. So.
0: All oh, right. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, where where do you stand on um, performance longboarding versus classic style? Again, this is a debate that's out there at the moment, and they keep changing the rules uh, for judging every year, which keeps messing around with my head. Because I'm more, I I like to ride a longboard like a shortboard, so I'm more performance. I like a nice lightweight, you know, th- kick it around, throw it around longboarding, and when possible, get up on the nose. And then get back, and I like to ride it like a shortboard, but now that sort of they changed the rules the WSL rules anyway to cl- gone back to classic judging style you know old Tudor style where do you fall on that well when I when I started the
1: I'm really glad you asked that question because I think it's something that needs to be discussed and put out in the open and when I um, started the uh, longboard tour u s longboard tour with longboard magazine um, the current commissioner for longboard surfing at WSL, uh, Devin Howard worked at uh, longboard magazine. So, so he, he got to, he, he got to see the, the, the founding of the the tour that we did, but there was a big debate. It was like Joel Tudor on classic and, and uh, Colin McPhillips was the, uh, uh, the top um, high performance. And, and so I figured you know, we've all got to live together and to figure this out. Uh, and so our criteria is you got to have a nine-foot board. That's a long board. But I think it, it, I created a, a, a format and criteria that it didn't matter the maneuver that you did. What matters was where you performed the maneuver and how critical it was. And for example, if there—if you're a, a classic uh old-school surfer, and you hung five at Pipeline, it's a 10. Nobody hangs five at, t- yeah. at Pipeline, right? And if you right. roll at Oceanside, that's a 10, you know, and that's somewhere in between. So whatever maneuver with whatever nine-foot board you chose to ride at that critical section, whatever you did to it, whether you did a – you know, you see uh, Phil Rosman doing – 360 errors now on his longboard. And also. Yeah, he's pretty radical. Also man. surfing Piaje on a longboard, you know. So, you know, put that guy in a box where he's only going to nose ride. He can nose ride. But there's so much more. And and uh, yeah. I think that it's got to be a blend. It usually came down to the two best surfers in the final, and it would be Colin McPhillips versus Joel Tudor. And sometimes Joel would get the waves, which is what competitive surfing is all about. You get the waves, and if you got the ability, you do critical maneuvers on them. And sometimes he'd win and sometimes Colin would win because of the conditions that it was. But it wasn't about you could pick what style of waves. And I think putting surfing in any kind of a box is wrong. I, I, I think it comes down to degree of difficulty and f- the cr- the criteria stand is great like the most best best or biggest or best wave in the most critical section and the highest degree degre- degree of difficulty <laughs> with the most flow yeah. and and you know uh, and multiple maneuvers all that stuff it doesn't say what maneuvers
0: mm. and i don't think yeah. we should do yeah. that I, I'm glad. I'm glad you said that because that's where I fall on it as well. I like I like to nose ride and I like to to get back on the tail. So uh, for me, a lot of us, you know, a combination is the best yeah. because it's it's the best kind of surfing. You know, when when the when the when you're on the right part of the wave, get up on the nose. When it's not right for nose riding, get back on the tail and do something. And that's 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 how I like to ride it. Also, that it it, it
1: requires. A uh, more skill from your surfboard maker, you know. Make me a board that'll nose ride and it'll turn too. The guys are those logs yeah. don't turn. I mean, they they do a this classic sixty style turn, but they're not banging it off the lip. Phil Rosman, those guys, and the Wyans. The Wyans are livid about the new criteria because they, you know, they they, you know, the Dwayne DeSoto and the Rusty Kiolana, all that, you know, they. They they have established you know performance longboarding from Macau, and and Queens and that's the roots you know that talk, the, yeah. the
0: the classic longboard that's California stuff that's not roots you yeah know? yeah they're not happy but Joel Tudor's happy he could become world champion by winning one contest before COVID <laughs> 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 I doubt him I because
1: you know Joel he can he can. Trade licks with
0: anybody on anything. Oh, he can ride anything. He's a great surfer, anyway. He can, yeah, he can, he can, he can do high performance, and he can do classic. Can't he? You know? So he's he's an yeah, exception. He's, he's legit. But, uh, he, can, he he has the right to yeah to to state
1: his opinion and 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 I'm I'm really happy that he's there and he's as vocal as he is because I don't want the classic tradition to go away and it was starting to go away with performance surfing. So that's where the, that's where the argument came in, you know, but yeah, but let's all live together. You know, let's, it, it's, it's all beautiful surfing and it's not shortboard surfing. So, you know, absolutely. Yeah.
0: All right, Gary, we're coming up to two hours here. So before I let you go, <laughs> um, I like, uh, yeah, time flies when you have having You've fun, yeah. I, I like to ask my guests some, uh, success secret questions. Um, if I could just throw a couple at you and see what you come back with. Um, if you could go back and give the 20 year old Gary some advice, what would it be?
1: Um, you know, probably not try and start your, your family life as soon as I did. Um, you know, I got you know married at about 23 and, and I didn't really get to peek out at my surfing. I mean, I don't regret starting my family at, at that young, but If you want to have a career in sports, it it probably is um, a little better to wait till you're a little bit more mature.
0: Um, Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good one. Yeah. Lots for the younger guys to think about there. And uh, is there one decision that you have made that fundamentally changed the way things have worked out for you successfully?
1: Yeah. Never quit. Just, just never, never quit. quit. Yeah, life's life's not about winning; it's about not quitting. As long mm-hmm. as you, as long as you're, as you long as you don't quit, you're still in the game. You're still playing. And it- right.
0: Yeah, I saw that in one of your interviews. It doesn't matter about success or failure. Just make sure you stay in the you game. Stay in
1: the game. The yeah. hardest thing for me yeah. when I got laid off a couple of months ago is I'd never been. Laid off from a job. I've you know I've been self-employed most of the time, but I've never gotten laid off. Right. And the hard part was not, you know, it's like seventy years old. I could retire, and I've got enough money and everything else, but not be be, not being getting kicked off the team I started. You know.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I wasn't getting getting to play, so oh like god, what? How can this happen? You know.
0: (laughs) but are you, are, you, are you kicked off or furloughed? Are they going to bring you back no. when the, when they no. kick, up, kick no. off again?
1: I, I, I'm on to bigger and better stuff. I mean, I am I got yeah. – my new thing is it's, – it's awesome. I, I, I didn't really like – I didn't really like working in that environment. There was a lot of great people, and it was a great experience. But uh, – corporate experiences you know I, I had my first corporate review at sixty five I really came into it late but it's not it's not very functional it, it moves too slow. I'm I'm a Che Guevara guerrilla warfare kind of a person you know that that's a small band of highly skilled technicians and that's how I operate so
0: Merc- mercenaries. Yeah. Well not
1: mercenaries <laughs> you no, know, if, if you read, I've kind of tried to live my my life and professional career by uh, Che's book A Gorilla warfare, and uh, it's worked. Okay. It's worked pretty good. Pretty good.
0: Good. Okay. Let me ask you another question. Um, you only they say you only regret the things you don't do. What's one thing you, that you regret not doing? <sighs> I th- struggled
1: with this one. You know, because Mm. there's a whole bunch of things that you think about. I wish I'd have done that. I wish I'd have done that. But, but if you didn't, if I hadn't done exactly what I did, I'd have, I'm afraid I wouldn't be in the place that I am right now. And I love it. I love where I'm at. Mm. I mean, like I'm, I've got more fame, fortune and respect now at 70 than, than the, you know, David and got when he was 20 and, you know, like when you're 20 getting all the fame when you're 20 and, you know, 30 or something like that, you, you waste it. You know, like I got all my recognition when I was old, when I needed it. I mean, yeah. You know,
0: uh, yeah. I think if you can look back and say, well, I don't regret anything that that's, that's, crazy. I don't regret anything. I'm probably in the, yeah.
1: in the moments I would have done things differently, but I don't regret anything that I did i mean i, I don't know because it all got me to where i'm going and like i said you know it's like not you know my dad taught me early you know it's just like just don't quit you know and it's, that's a mm. message i pass on to everybody so if i'd have quit something i would have regretted that
0: like yeah charging yeah you know good yeah yes yeah, i'm 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 very similar in a way um you know, I've had some successes, had some failures, but people always say to me, "and you, you just, you just keep going, you just stay in the game, you persevere in everything you do." And I don't always make it to the top, you know, but I keep going and keep persevering for year after year after year, and I, and you know, maybe that, just like you, that's a, that's a, that's a good quality, that, you know. That is the
1: only thing, like life. You know, where's the top? Is the guy with the most money? I feel sorry for those guys. You know, I mean, they're worried about how many zeros they have at the end of their thing. That's we're going to take any of that with us. You know, all we're all we're going to take is the rela- memories and the relationships and all the experiences that we had. And you, you know, I learned years ago that that poor people. As long as they have food enough to eat, they're, they're happier than people that are worried about somebody stealing their billions, you know. They're always always paranoid, you know, that, you know, they can't even really extend a, a hand or get to know you because they're afraid you want something from them. And poor right, people, yeah. like I remember being in Brazil and, you know, my neighbors didn't even have enough to feed themselves and you'd go over to their house and they'd offer you dinner you know, because they weren't, yeah. they weren't connected to it. They weren't, that wasn't them. What they had wasn't who they were.
0: They're, they were, Yeah. It's about being, being true to yourself. And as long as we're happy at the end of the day, that's all that really matters, isn't it? You know, so, to, to um, companionship. That's all you really need. Yeah. All right. My last question for you is if you're going to walk over to your local beach today, what are you, what are you riding these days? Uh,
1: I'm riding a 510 uh, round tail tri-fin with a flat deck, um, uh, which is a, it's a design I didn't invent, but I'm reincorporating it into all my boards now because, uh, you know, at, at, as an older surfer, the trick is getting your feet. And, um, so I, I figured out a way to make that a little bit more
0: comfortable, more user friendly. Right. Because five ten is still pretty yeah, short. It's a short board. Yeah. 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 Cool. Good. All right. And where, where can people find Gary Linden? Um, online.
1: Online, you find me at lindensurfboards.com, um, send me an email at info at uh, dot com or, um, you know, call the factory and I'll, I'll, I'll give you my cell number or, you know, have got a page on Facebook and just Instagram. I've got a page on Instagram, yes. Lyndon um, but I'm an ocean side, same well, place I've-, I've been for the last 44 years. and
0: <laughs> People know where to I'm find pretty- you. yeah Okay. Well, look, uh- I'll put all the links in the show notes, so people uh, they'll all be in there. And uh, I, you know, I just we, we've been I'm just looking at the counter here two two hours two minutes we've been chatting, and I still think we've got a lot more to talk about. So please come back one day uh, soon and let's carry on. Well,
1: Ian, thanks for the, the invite, and it's been a pleasure to get to share some of my stories. Like I told you before, the the thing I most want to do right now is um, be able to share my experiences for the next generations because you know, it's the history. I, I've pretty much seen the history of modern lived the history of modern surfing. And, and I don't want that to be forgotten. And, uh, you know, I made a lot of mistakes and learned from my mistakes. And if I could help somebody avoid mistakes and, and, uh, s- sort of leapfrog into success, I, I'd be, I'd love to be able to feel like I was part of that process.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, I know a lot of people do want to hear what you got to say. So, uh, Let's do it again. Um, but for today, thank you very much. Uh, have a good day, and Gary Linden. I'll see you next time. Adiós,
1: amigos.
2: My magic moments with you. My time is so precious with special people like you. My time is so precious With special people like you You need